You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Glad you guys are here. Uh, in full transparency, you know, I've talked about how nobody wants to come and pretend when they're at church. You know, it's, that's exhausting. We've all had tired, tiring weeks. We've all, and we come in here and it's like, I don't want to pretend. So I'll just be honest with you guys. I'm tired, okay? I'm tired. This is not an illustration. This is just, I'm just being real with you guys. I'm tired. I don't know if the, the COVID has still sucked the energy out of me from when I had it, not last week, but the week before, if, if that's it, or if it's because we've moved my youngest to a big girl bed and she doesn't know how to read a clock, and so she can just get up whenever she wants now, and so she does not sleep in like she used to. She's up. She is up in the morning. So I'm, if I seem a little less energetic today, Sorry. Uh, I'm just, just be happy I'm awake because I don't want to be. I don't want to be asleep right now. Uh, but we're continuing our series in Acts. I am glad to be here. Don't, don't hear me say that. I'm not glad to be here. Uh, but we're continuing our series in Acts this morning. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. If you want to open your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow along, uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 4. Uh, to kind of recap where we've been, Acts is, is where we've seen the Holy Spirit come onto the scene, and, and the Holy Spirit has started to do work through the disciples and through the followers of Jesus. And so uh, we saw a couple weeks ago that the uh, Peter and John heal a man, heal a man who was paralyzed outside the temple. So they heal this guy, the Holy Spirit heals. I, I shouldn't say they healed him because even they were like, it wasn't us. And so God, through them, heals this man who had been paralyzed. And, and so he, Peter takes the opportunity to kind of tell everybody what happened. He's like, hey, I'm going to use this opportunity to tell people about Jesus, about God, and what he's done. And, and just a reminder here that this is in the Jewish temple. This is not, they hadn't done a fundraising campaign and, and built a new building for the church, and, and this is all Christians. No, no, no. This is, this is the Jewish people that they are going to tell about Jesus and what he has done. And so they are building the kingdom by sharing the gospel of what God has done through them. And so we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. So they're in the Jewish temple, and people are not super excited about it. So the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them, put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And, uh, Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or, na or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we were being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, 
It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But, they, but, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. There was nothing they could say. It was like, okay, we can't really say anything about you guys because we see this guy healed, you know? One of my least favorite things about what's happened in American Christianity is that, that we play the victim when we act like a jerk. We say, I'm, I'm just being hated because they hated Jesus. And, and in reality, that couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus wasn't mean to people because of his views. He wasn't stubborn. He was kind. He never sinned. Until you're living a, Christ, a sinless life, let's cool it with this idea of like, oh, well, they just hate me because I'm a Christian. When I was, in, I was an RA when I was in college, and I don't talk about it a lot because I hated it. It was terrible. Um, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be an RA, but I did not like it at all. Um, and part of that was that there was a lot of people who didn't like me. It was, there were people who, they just, they pushed me away, and, and a lot of what they, they talked about was, was that I was, you know, about my faith, and it was like, you know, we don't want to be, and so I, I kind of wore it as this badge of honor of like, I, you know, I was being persecuted, that it was, they didn't like me because I was a Christian, and it wasn't until years later that I realized they didn't like me because I was a jerk. It wasn't because I was a Christian. It had absolutely nothing to do with that. I was self-righteous. I was judgmental. I was, I was really a jerk. And so I think there's probably a lot of the time that I was like, they're just persecuting me because I'm a Christian. And Jesus was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not put my name on this, okay? This is not my fault, right? This is not, this is not anything I did. You're the one who's being a jerk, you're the, being, you're the one who thinks that you're better than those people because you go to church or because you grew up and, and you don't do bad things. And so, oh, you're better. And so I was treating people poorly and I was like, they just hate me because I'm a Christian. And this attitude has kind of permeated Christian, American Christian culture. They were like, oh, they just hate us because we're Christians. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes people don't like you because you're being a jerk. And so we, we can't have this attitude. You look at Peter and John, they weren't being persecuted because they were being jerks, right? They healed a guy who couldn't walk, a guy who had been, he was about 40 years old. So who knows how long this guy had been paralyzed. They were being persecuted because they did something good, not because they were being stubborn jerks. What, one thing that's happened in this situation is, is, is that we see these men that they were ordinary and then they found Jesus and the product, what it produced in them was love. Ordinary plus Jesus equals love. It doesn't equal being right, doesn't equal being stubborn, doesn't equal being loud and, and obnoxious. When, when we as ordinary people are introduced to, when we have a relationship, when we follow Jesus, the result should be love. When, when the religious leaders, they say these are uneducated men, they didn't mean like they're dummies, right? They're not like, well, these guys are idiots, so it's clear they've been hanging around Jesus. It just meant that they were not religiously schooled. 
You know, these are guys that they were fishermen, they were tax collectors, they were, they were working in the field, and all of a sudden, these are guys talking in the temple. And so by their standards, they're like, you're not, you're not educated in the Torah. You don't, you don't know scripture like we know scripture. So they, they weren't saying that they were dummies. But these are guys who are loving people. They were healing people, and they were like, you can't persecute us because of this act of kindness. I love that they mentioned that. They're like, did you really bring us in here because we made this guy walk and you're upset about it? The purpose for living, the purpose in living for Jesus isn't so that we can be right and make people think that we have all the answers. The religious leaders weren't stumped because these guys had really good answers. What shut them up was the fact that they were doing good things and they couldn't talk anything bad about it. What's going to show the world that we've been with Jesus? Is it because we're going to be people who have really good morals or people who have really high values? No. Because if you think about the religious leaders that are, that are getting onto these guys, those were guys that had good morals. They had good values. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. They were so focused on keeping the law that they were ignoring the people that were begging at the gates, Right? Peter and John healed this guy because he was in a group of people begging right outside the temple. And right inside the temple is these people that were like, I am living to honor God, completely neglecting and walking past all of the people who are in need out front. So, so when you look at your life, which of these people do you look more like? Are you a religious person that's just concerned with your own faith and maybe trying to tell other people like, hey, you're not quite living right? Or are you focused on doing good for others? When people talk about Clouds Creek, when people outside of the church talk about Clouds Creek, what do they say? Because the enemy is going to try to use the church to push people away and, and try to tell people, oh, they're just a social club. They're just in there to try to feel better about themselves. They're, they're in it for what they get out of it, of how it makes them feel, or that they think that it'll make me wealthier if I'm following God, or it'll make my life easier if I'm following God. And so the enemy is going to try to use that to push people away. But what if their reaction to, to hearing Clouds Creek Baptist Church is, that's the church that fed me when I was hungry. That's the church that, that takes care of the community. That's the church that gives back and makes sure that when people need something, they have it. They clothe the people who are cold or, I guess, hot now because nobody, ain't nobody cold outside right now. This is the church that cares for people. What shows, God that, what shows people that we follow God... Sorry, my throat is real dry. What shows people that we follow God isn't how much we know but it's how we live and how we love the world around us that, that we've experienced the goodness of God and we want to give that away. We can be people who don't have a lot to offer, right? You might not be the most attractive person, might not be the wealthiest person, might not be the most educated person, but when you've experienced Jesus, you have love to offer. And nobody talks bad about people who are loving, right? Nobody's like, oh my gosh, look at that person. They just care so much. They're always so nice to me. Ugh, can't stand it, right? Nobody ever says that. That's what we have to offer people. 
that we have love. We can be people whose lives are defined by being loving. And when people try to speak out against people who are loving, they're the ones who look foolish. That's why these religious leaders are like, can't, can't really like get onto you because everybody else saw it and they're going to think we look like jerks if we get onto you for healing this guy, right? Living by love. I also want to look at another theme of this passage I love when I was, when I was reading this, some of the, uh, the, the ways they identify people, right? You see that they say the, the, the disciples, they were just ordinary guys. There's nothing that's not like, oh man, they were really great speakers, or these are guys that are clearly very well educated. It's like, these are just normal guys. That's the guy that's the fisherman, right? And then you have this guy who his, his entire life was defined by the fact that he was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He was an, he was an outcast. You've got these guys that were, that were tax collectors. That there's like I, Nobody has anything to do with them. And then Peter even quotes Psalm 118, and he points out that Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. And so you have all these things that it was like, this was their identity, and God has changed their identity. That's what we see in this passage, that God wants to change your identity. When you look at everyone who decided to follow God, it meant laying down everything. That's why the rich young ruler, he couldn't do it. He couldn't follow God. He's like, hey, I followed all the commandments. What do I need to do to enter heaven? And Jesus says, you got to give away all of your possessions. And he goes away sad because he's like, I can't do that. And, and what's interesting is how, how is that guy defined in the Bible? They don't say his name. They just say the rich young ruler. His identity was literally in his possessions. But then when you look at the people who we just listed, the lame man, his entire identity would have been found in the fact that he couldn't work and he laid outside the temple begging for money. And now it was completely changed. Everything about him was completely changed. The disciples, they left their families, they left their jobs behind to follow Jesus. And it says that Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. The the religious leaders, they rejected him. He was the stone that was rejected that has become the cornerstone. And, and the cornerstone, if you're, when you're building a building, or used to, I haven't built a building recently. Um, when you're building a building, the first stone you put, the cornerstone, it sets the angle for the entire building is based on this one stone. And so Jesus, he wasn't the stone that the builders rejected. He became the most important part of the whole building. God wants to change your identity The religious leaders, they weren't willing to let go. They weren't willing to surrender their identity to Jesus. They weren't willing to let go of that part of their lives. They wanted to hold on to their way of life. They wanted to hold on to their power that they had. But there was a better identity that God wants you to have. The problem is is when we don't think that it's better. We like to decide what's good, right? We like to decide what's good. That's why we argue with people, right, about what football team is best. That's why we argue with people about what restaurant is best. That's why I love to tell people about how terrible Burger King is, is because I'm right, right? Like, I like to decide what's good. We like to be the ones who decides what is good. The the religious leaders, they found their identity in their religion. They were like, this is what is good. They found their identity on what they were doing for God and not what God has done for them. 
You see that? They, they had gotten focused on what they were doing for God instead of what God had done for them. Religious people are proud of the things that they do. But people who find their identity in what Jesus did for them overflow with love. God wants to be your source of your identity, not your job, not your football team, not your family, nothing of what you've done, but completely in what he has done for us. That's when change happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, so from now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The what? The new is here. See, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the leaders, they weren't willing to let the old pass away, to let the new come. They were like, I got to hold on to this part, this stuff that's mine. This stuff that's mine that I think is good, the stuff that I do for God is good stuff, and I don't want to stop doing that. They weren't willing to let the old pass away, to let the new identity come. The Pharisees, they, they, they wanted to cling to their own way. But what happened is they couldn't deny the identity changes that they saw around them, Right? They're like, I don't really know what to do with this because I want to tell you that this is bad. But this guy couldn't walk. Now he can walk. These guys were just ordinary men that, that did jobs until Jesus made them extraordinary. They were seeing what Jesus had done, and they're starting to have this issue of, I can't deny that this identity that they have is new. And the identity that God has for you is far better than anything that you could find your identity in here on this earth. So when the religious leaders, they see that the disciples and this lame man had been changed, and they weren't harming anything, but were were being loving and helpful people, they were kind of stumped at what to do. So we're going to pick up in verse 15 and kind of see, okay, what is it that they decided they were trying to figure out? So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. They all called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the one man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. They had nothing to say because they were doing good things. Like We can't do anything. We cannot punish you because you're, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. It's not like the disciples were using the name of Jesus to try and take power or, or try to, to take advantage of people. They were just pouring out what they had taken in. And there's a sentence that, that probably should step on our toes a little bit this morning. And that's when they say, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Is that your attitude this morning? 
Is that the attitude that you have as a believer? Are you at a point where you, you cannot talk about what God has done? Ask yourself the question, what do you love? Ask yourself the question, what do I love? And the answer is kind of simple, because, but it's, it's that thing that you, your brain kind of defaults to when you don't have anything else rolling around in there, right? Like when you're, when you're laying down to go to bed at night and everything is kind of turned off and you're like, where does your brain drift to? Or when, when you're in the shower or when you're mowing the lawn or when you're going for a run, where does your brain drift to when it doesn't have something to focus on? It's a pretty good indicator of what you love. What do you think about when you don't have anything else? What do you love? Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you value? What do you love? What's the thing that you can't wait to talk to people about? For the disciples, it was what God had done in their lives. It's like, we, we can't not talk about this. Their very identity was changed by, into being the, the thing that they thought of, the thing that they couldn't wait to talk about was Jesus. If you think about Peter, probably before that, couldn't wait to tell people about how many fish he caught that day, right? It's like, man, can't wait to tell people, like, look at all these fish that I caught. I'm a fisherman. My identity is in what I do. And, and, and now he's like, I can't wait to tell you about what Jesus has done for me. See, we like to come up with all kinds of excuses of, of why we don't talk to people about our faith. So I don't want to talk to people because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to people because it's, it, I don't want to feel rejected. I don't, I don't want to push people away. I, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off for you this morning. Watch your toes. The reason that you don't talk to people about God is because he's not that important to you. The reason that we don't talk to people about God is simply that he's not that important. For most of us in this room, if we're truly honest with ourselves, our relationship with God is about what we get out of it. And we're really more, more excited about what God uh, is going to do for us when we die. It's like, you know, if I'm being honest, it... It's probably just like, hey, I'm just kind of floating through life right now, and, and I'm really most excited about heaven. I don't have to go to hell. I can have a good life then. It's not really that important to us. In, the, in July of 2022, we've got other things on our minds. Maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's just looking forward to football season. Maybe you're worried about back to school where is your treasure? Where is your mind drifting to? What do you love? Like Peter and John, their response is like, what do you mean don't talk about Jesus? Like it didn't compute in their brains when they're like, hey, uh, listen, guys, you're doing some good stuff here, but like, just, don't, just don't talk about Jesus. And they're like, I, like I have no idea what you mean don't talk about Jesus. Some of you guys might feel that way about football season, right? Like, it's like, it's like, like, what do you mean don't talk about the game? What do you mean don't talk? Did you see what happened? Did you see that game? What do you mean don't talk about it? Because that's what we love. Do we get that excited about who God is? Do we get that excited about what he's done? Because like, if we really think about it, 
it's so much better. Like the things that God has done in your life are so much better than the TV show that's great that we watch that we can't wait to tell somebody about. What he does in our life is so much better. What he did for us already is so much better than all the other stuff that we seem to occupy our mind with. When we get down to it this morning, the reason that we don't have the attitude is because we don't love God enough. We love other things. Our identity is found in other things like the, the rich young ruler who his identity was found in his stuff. Or maybe you find your identity in, in your role in your family. Or maybe you find your identity in being able to provide. Or maybe you find your identity in being really good at your job or, or whatever it is. Our identity is not found in what it needs to be found in the fact that you are a child of God. You are the son of God. You are the daughter of God. That he gave his life to set you free from sin. What happens is we find our identity in the things that we do. Whether it's the things that, that we do just on this earth or the things that we do for God. That's like, look at all this stuff that I do for God. If you think that you're going to be bold in your faith when it, when it gets illegal, Right? Like we, we, a lot of people, we look at the, the way our country is headed and, and there's this kind of boogeyman of like, oh, it's just a matter of time until, you know, we're not allowed to go to church or we're not allowed to be a Christian. If you think you're going to be loud about it then, why aren't you loud about it now? Why aren't you loud about it now? When, when it gets hard to be a Christian, it's not hard to be a Christian. Listen, it is not a difficult thing. And, and, and we think that it is. And it's like, oh, it's so hard. And it's not. It's not. There's none of you guys that worried about getting thrown in jail for showing up here this morning, right? I have seen the way some of you drive, though. You probably should have been a little more worried. But when you walked in the door this morning, you, you have not a single time since we've been sitting in this building thought, man, I hope nobody catches me here. But for some reason, we think, oh, man, I'm going to be bold. If it was illegal, best believe I'd be the first one to stand up. No. That's not true. That's not true. If you're not willing to stand up now, you're not going to be willing to stand up when it's hard. If you don't find your identity in the fact that you are a child of God and he has done so much for you, and if that's not the thing that excites you the most right now, it's not going to be the thing that excites you when it's, when it's hard. When we, when we ask ourselves this question, what do you love. We have one answer here in church on Sunday morning. You got a totally different answer Tuesday afternoon. You got a totally different answer Tuesday afternoon than you have right now, right? We're all in our church clothes. We showed up this morning on time. I love God. That's what I love. Is that what the people of work that you work with think about you? Is that what your, your kids' friends Parents that you, you sit with at the ball field, that you, you see all the time, that you're, you're taking your kids to school, your neighbors, when they think about you, when they talk about you, when you talk to them, do they think, man, that person loves God? And again, don't get God confused with going to church. At no point when you get to heaven are they going to say, okay, now what church did you go to? Not a question anybody's going to ask you. It's not being bold about where you go to church. 
That's easy. The religious leaders were super proud of what they did, right? I, I'm in temple all the time. That's not the point. That's not the question. What do you love? Who do you love? Where do you find your identity? We don't have the attitude of I can't be silent because it's not that important to us. Because we haven't surrendered our identity to him. Our identity, the way that you think about yourself, we have not surrendered it to him. We're still trying to hold on to these other things that we think are important, that that we decided are good, or that we think are more exciting, or we think are, are more fulfilling. We won't let him go. Let him have it all. Lay everything down at the feet of Jesus and say, you can have all of it. I don't need any of this. I don't want to find my identity in anything that's not you. Let God be the ruler of every aspect of your life. Only then will we have that attitude of, what do you mean don't talk about him? He is my everything. And it's not until we realize that we're not at that point, because a lot of times I think that we, we think, you know what, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I, I go to church. I'm here. I mean, y'all got, if I was taking attendance, y'all get a check mark, right? You're here. That's not the point. That's not the point. Does he have everything? Is he your everything? Every area of your life do you go, because God. What do you mean not talk about him? What do you mean not talk about him? He is my everything. And it's not until we're honest with ourselves that we're not there that we know that we got to get there. You know what I mean? We have to surrender our lives. We have to let him be what we love above everything else and find our identity because he wants your identity. He doesn't want you to find your identity in the things of this world that are going to leave you feeling empty. He wants you to be fulfilled. Let's have that attitude that he is my everything so that we can do this holy work and so that we can love the people around us. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you've done for us. God, thank you that it's not up to me to get everything right. God, it doesn't depend on me making sure that I'm doing everything perfect in order to have a relationship with you, but God, that I can just rest. That my holiness, my righteousness is not something that I have to work for. If anything, God, the the hardest thing we have to do is just surrender to you and say, God, have it all. I don't want any of it. God, let us be people that we live our lives with this idea of, what do you mean not talk about Jesus? How, how can I talk about anything else? He is the thread that runs through every aspect of my life, and there's nothing about me that is away from him, that is apart from him. 
God convict us of those, of those things. I asked this morning that, that those of us who think that we have it together, that we think we're doing a good job, God, that you would point out the parts of our life that it's like, hey, you haven't surrendered this to me yet. You're still holding on to this. You're still trying to find your identity outside of me. God, I pray that you would call those things to our mind and help us to lay them down at your feet and surrender them all to you. so that we can be people who go out and no one can say a bad thing because of how loving we are. That we are just showing them the love of Jesus. That we are just ordinary people, but you have made us people of love that have something to offer. It's your name we pray. Amen.